Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jacob Marin, and I'm the host of this podcast. Hopefully, you enjoyed last week's interview with Aaron the Alpha Bush as we got into some deep topics there. But for this episode, joining me in studio is one gruesome, violent, fierce, some would even say nasty amateur mixed martial artist from Canton, Ohio. He's taken the light heavyweight scene by storm with a 3-0 record. He is Nasty Nick Nash. Thanks for making your way in studio, Nick, and welcome to Forge in Ohio. Yeah, thank you much. I appreciate you having me. So the reason I wanted to get you on, Nick, was not only because of your fighting style, but because you also fight for the fourth time this year, this Saturday at Cage Thunder 18. We'll talk about that soon, but for now, I'm always interested in learning about the backstory of fighters. What got you into mixed martial arts? Yeah, so it was when I was about a sophomore in high school, I just, uh, I really came in with the Conor McGregor wave. Um, he really brought me into the sport, and uh, ever since I started watching, I just fell in love with it, um, studied it religiously, um, and figured out, like, wrestling was one of the best disciplines to get into. So uh, I started wrestling the next year, my junior year in high school. Um, wrestled two years in high school, one in college here at Akron um, for their club team. And uh, yeah, after that, I just went full into MMA. And just Made that transition from wrestling into mixed martial arts. Right. What was that transition like going from wrestling, grappling, to striking, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, all that? Right. Um, the wrestling helped a lot. I mean, I believe it is the best discipline. I mean, that for MMA, mm-hmm. that's what everyone says. Um, and it helped me a ton, but it didn't help me with striking at all. Like, it made me um, kind of have a lot of tendencies I had to break, like uh, leaning forward a lot in my stance. Um, and just thir- certain tendencies you had to get rid of, but it helped me a ton just having grappling experience because, I mean, it helps a ton in MMA to be able to grapple. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Conor McGregor. You still mm-hmm. a fan of Conor McGregor? You still a fan of the UFC? Oh, not of Conor as much, but yeah. I, I still love the UFC. Yeah. Um, like I said, I watch it religiously. Anytime there's a middleweight or light heavyweight fight, I always make sure I watch it. I mean, yeah, I could probably name everyone in the top 15 in the light heavyweight division right now. Was there a figure in your life that exposed you to any particular martial art or to your first gym when you were first being exposed to wrestling? No, I wouldn't really say it was not a person in my life that really exposed me to it. There was very few people in my area that actually did it, especially at my high school. No one really did it. Um, No one had any inclination of what you had to do. Um, I was just lucky to have lived right down the street from Victory. I just walked in one day after my senior year of wrestling. I walked in there and started training and luckily happened to be one of the best gyms in Ohio for amateurs. And a lot of that was just fate, you know just living right down the street, just walking in and fitting in with all the guys and the rest is history. Yeah, you're the third fighter from Victory MMA that I've had on Forge in Ohio. I've heard nothing but good things. What's Victory been like for you so far in your career? Oh, I mean, it's it's made me who I am as a fighter and as a person. Um, I mean, we train hard, very hard. We have a lot of fun. Um, we're grappling heavy, heavy on jiu-jitsu. Um, every practice we're going live, doing rolls, um, and just the people around the gym. I mean, we have so many guys that are up and coming. Um, a lot of us have started our careers around the same time, and we're all looking to go pro around the same time. So, I mean, we're gonna we're one of the best gyms for amateurs. We're going to be one of the best gyms for pros here coming up. Uh, 
you know, in a couple of years, once we all start turning pro and uh, just going to make a bigger name for the gym, get some guys in the UFC. Who are some of those guys that you train with on a regular basis that you could see, you know, that UFC future potential in? Oh, yeah. Uh, Luke, you had him on your yeah. podcast. Um, he's a young guy. He's very active right now. He could definitely make it. Um, uh, there's a pro that comes to our gym. He trains. He owns his own gym in uh, Youngstown. His name's Davis Arasio. Um, I could definitely see him getting a shot at, you know, maybe UFC, but probably like Bellator, um, maybe PFL, Glory, um, and Brandon Billiter. He's got a title coming up. I mean, there's so many. I can't even name. I believe everyone on my team could make it, you know, if they just stick to it. Um, but there's just there's so many guys that are so talented around you. Um, it's almost impossible to fail at that gym. I believe Brandon Billiter is fighting the same night you are. Yes. This Saturday. Uh, what's that like fighting with, you know, your training partners on the same card? Oh, it's great. I mean, you got to be careful. You don't want to, like, be too invested into their fights, um, especially for me, because since my second fight, I've been, like, you know, co-main one of the last fights. So you just can't get too invested, because if you see him lose, then it, like, I think it messes with you mentally. So mm. you got to kind of just chill in the back, don't watch as much. But it's great to have everyone there. You know, the more people there, the merrier. Like, you just feel better, more comfortable at the show. Because um, it's a really stressful event. Um, it's a really stressful thing to do, and it's great to have your teammates with you. I have to say, Nick, the look, the demeanor, the nickname, the hair even, you have it all. You look like a savage out there every single time you fight. What inspired the mullet and the nickname Nasty? Well, the nickname, I was just, when I uh, I moved schools from, uh, when I was in like seventh grade, I moved to a different school, and everyone just started calling me Nick Nasty. Uh, when I was younger, like seventh grade, and it just stuck from there. Um, the hair, I don't know. I just seen people had the cut, and I liked it. I thought I would try it, and I just thought it fit me well. Rolling with the mullet for this Saturday? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Awesome. Always. <laughs> you debuted at Cage Thunder 12 in September 2021 against Zach Hutchins. I believe you opened the card that night. How are you feeling going into that first fight, and was there any added pressure with it being the first fight of the night? Oh, yeah, that that was the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life. That feeling is so insane. Like, you prepare so much for it. You know, I put so many years into it just making that debut. But it didn't make a lick of difference. Like, I was so nervous. I was just sitting in a chair staring at the wall for, like, 30 minutes. It was that first fight is the hardest, hardest experience ever my whole life so far. How it's did you crazy. overcome that that feeling, that stress? going into there well I just always wanted to be that guy that you could put like the weight on my shoulders mm -hmm. like I was freaking out but I had to keep my demeanor cool because you know I'm a young guy in the gym but I want a lot of people to look up to me and I just thought you know why not me like put that weight on my shoulders I want to carry that you know I want to make a name for my family and my friends and be someone that people can look up to like just taking that weight on yeah you dominated Hutchins in that fight you immediately shot for a takedown rocked him with some stiff combinations on the feet and had some further transitions on the ground before winning via arm triangle choke. Before that fight, did you foresee a submission win in your amateur MMA debut? Oh yeah, just with how heavy we are with grappling, um, I 100% saw a submission and I was just telling myself first round finish by any means. Like I wanted to get my name on the map, you know, for MMA in this area and just wanted to make a big statement win. Yeah, you certainly did that. Moving to your second fight against Taryn Rampage Roush at Cage Thunder 14 in March, 
You fought right before the co-main event and won via guillotine choke two minutes and 16 seconds into the second round. How did it feel to pick up back-to-back submission wins to start your MMA amateur career? Oh, it felt great, you know. Um, you know, I'm, gr- I'm grappling heavy. Um, I like to throw hands, but, you know, I'm grappling heavy, and I want to get a submission win. Like, I want to get the finish. I want to submit someone, you know, take their will. Do you have a favorite submission in the in the toolbox? Uh, I don't know if I really have a favorite. I say my anaconda I go to a lot in training, okay. um, but I like all submissions. Talking to Nasty Nick Nash on Forge in Ohio. Now on to your third fight and what I think was the most dominating fight you've had thus far. You picked up yet another submission win, this time over Scott Setner at Cage Thunder 15 in May in the first round. Going into that fight, Sentner was 3-1 and one at the time and had all three wins via knockout. Were you concerned going into that fight about his power at all? Yeah, I kind of thought, I mean, I don't know. I try not to focus too much on my opponents, um, in all honesty. I let my coaches do the game planning. Um, and if there's a fight out there, I look at it from a technical aspect. But, you know, all these guys are human. You know, no one's, you know, one's, no one's better than anyone. Um, we're all just, you know, flesh and bone and... You know, we all bleed the same. We all usually fight the same. You know, we're different in certain aspects, but, you know, I just focus on my training and being the best I can be. Yeah, his power didn't come to play in that fight. As I mentioned, the method of victory for you. He put up a fight in that guillotine choke, though, and lasted for much longer than I thought he would, at least. Were you surprised about how long you had to have that choke locked in for and what was going through your mind as he just would not give up in the moment? Right, yeah, I mean... It is kind of a hard choke to finish. I mean, you really got to wear on your opponent. But, yeah, I was pretty surprised that he was able to stick in it for that long. But, yeah, you definitely have to, you know, work that choke. Back-to-back-to-back submissions to start your MMA career. You strike me as a humble guy, but did you feel like you were on top of the world at the time? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, the reason I got into MMA and stuff was just because, you know, I always lacked a lot of self-confidence. Um and I just wanted to, you know, have some pride. And the more I fought, you know, better I felt, better I felt. And I just realized you have to believe in yourself if you want to achieve something. Like, you have to put your all into it and just believe. Believe you can do it. Well, it's now time to get to your most recent fight against James Ritchie in August at Cage Thunder 16. Before we get to the controversy that ended the fight unceremoniously, I wanted to ask you about the war that was that fight you and Richie in the first and second rounds came out swinging with reckless abandon. Were you ever rocked in those exchanges? And do you think you ever had him rocked in them as well? Yeah, I think it was that first sequence in the first round. I believe he hit me with an uppercut and I just saw black. Like I, my lights went out for a minute and I was like, kind of had to come to and then he immediately shot for a takedown. That's the one sequence I remember. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I rocked him with really, <laughs> really hard shots. Um, he he definitely, he definitely felt some hard shots. He came up to me after the fight and he was just like, "You hit hard as hard as freak, like yeah. you, you hit hard." Was that the first experience that you've had with that? You know, you said your your eyes went black, like you were kind of knocked out in a way. You know? Yeah, like yeah, that was. I mean, I felt it in practice a couple of times, like mm-hmm. seeing stars, but with the four-ounce gloves, it's just different. Like, if you get hit on the button, you can definitely go to sleep. But it's hard in the amateur scene, I feel like, to get a, you know, like an actual KO knockout because everyone's chins are still pretty young. I mean, you see a lot more KOs in the pro, you know, in the pro scene where people's chins are just a lot more withered. But 
as amateurs, I don't know, I think it's very rare to see a knockout KO anymore in the amateur scene with how talented guys are and how technical people are getting. It's it's hard. Would you say that Richie threw the most powerful strikes that you've experienced in your career so far? From a fight aspect, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Like, he's the one dude that actually has actually caught me with a clean shot in a fight. But in training, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I mean, we train. I train with killers every day. Like, I've, you know, definitely been hit. My chin's been tested. You know, I have a chin. Um, but, yeah, I've definitely felt some harder shots in practice. But with the four-ounce gloves, it just makes a different um, – different aspect to it right did you have to build up your chin strength over time i imagine you know your first time being experienced and exposed to striking at victory to now i'm sure there's kind of been a learning curve through that right yeah i think honestly i think it's a lot about like your neck strength like you doing a lot of neck workouts and making sure your head isn't snapping back um but i don't believe you can really like train your chin mm -hmm. in a sense like I heard back in the day, people would literally just hit each other bare knuckle to their chin thinking they're building up strength, but there's really no actual science behind it. It's kind of just like learning to get hit, like feeling what it feels like and just getting used to it and being able to keep your composure and throw back. I mean, that's one of the most important things. Now to get to the sequence that ended the fight resulting in a no contest, Richie was getting to a rear naked choke. You began fighting the hands and in that process, the referee stopped the fight thinking you had tapped. Watching the fight, it was almost like you could tell that the referee knew that he messed up right afterwards. In the moment, what was going through your mind? I was just, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what? Like, because I mean, the defense for a rear naked, naked choke is to break the grip. You know, I right. wasn't tap, tapping on my neck, like, you know, hitting on my neck. I was reaching, trying to grab the hand because that's the defense for a rear naked choke. And I mean, when I shot him for the single leg, he was under my chin, like he got under my chin. And right then and there, I just tried to break off, you know, get my hip separation from his hips. And I did that pretty well. He only had one boot in. Um, he didn't have both boots in, but he had it under the chin. So all I could do was break the grip. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't like going out, you know, I've been in a lot tighter chokes, you know, in practice and I'm a really hard guy to choke out. Um, so I was really just disappointed. I mean, I got a lot of respect for Richie. He's a great fighter. Um, I think he's a lot similar to me, you know, a humble dude, a respectable dude from what I've heard about him and the interactions we've had. And it just sucks we can't have closure for the contest because, I mean, it was such a great fight. I mean, it was an absolute war, um, two of the best gyms in Ohio. And it just sucks. And I don't blame the referee either. I mean, I get it. He's He wants to jump in and protect the fighter. Um but yeah, it's just a shitty situation. I'm just glad we were able to share that first round, you know, fair, mm -hmm. clean, and, you know, we had a great fight. Yeah, what I don't understand about the finish was how quickly the ref thought you had tapped. You know, Richie only had the choke in for two, maybe three seconds. And like you said, everybody knows that the first thing to do when a choke, when you're in a choke is to fight the hands. And to think that you had tapped just seconds into the choke just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think... Some of these referees maybe need to, you know, I don't, I don't want to call out any referee, right, yeah. but like, you know, it's just a shitty situation. You can't get around that. It's not any one person's fault. Um, it was just, you know, life does that sometimes. Shitty, shitty mm -hmm. situation. You said you're good at fighting out of chokes. You're a hard guy to submit. If that fight wasn't stopped right there, would you have liked your chances to get out of that choke and fight the hand successfully? I just kind of have this mentality, like. 
you know, I'm not going to stop fighting until I'm out cold, like especially in a fight. I mean, in the practice room, it's different. Um, but in a fight, it's just all I really need is that one little inch of space, um, just that little gap to break the grip, that littlest bit to get my space. Um, and I feel like that's one of the things I'm best at is just getting out of hard positions, getting out of chokes, um, and just finding that one little inch I need. Yeah, I thought you handled the situation with class on social media. In particular, you said, I got myself put in that position for a questionable call to be made. That is on me. I can't let it happen again. That post was three days after the fight. How long did it take for you to feel that way after that controversial end to the fight? Um, I mean, I felt it right away, you know. Along this journey of being a fighter um, and just improving in life, I just wanted to take full accountability, like full responsibility for my life and what I've done. And yeah, I mean, it's simple as that. You know, I got put in that position, you know, uh, no matter if I believe I was getting out of it or not, I was in that position because of what I did, um, a technical error. And yeah, I mean, it was it was hard at first, like after the fight, because I took it like a loss. You know, that's what it was decided as after the fight. Um, I took it really hard, but I was back in the gym on Monday. Like, I mean, life goes on. In reality, this is an amateur career, wins and losses. I mean, they come a dime a dozen. It really doesn't matter as much as in the amateur scene. You get a fresh start when you're a pro regardless. So it's just keep moving forward and just don't stop. Once again, this is Nasty Nick Nash with us on Forged in Ohio. Thankfully, you're back in action this Saturday against Chris Drogue at Cage Thunder 18 Seasons Beatings. Drogue is 1-0 with a submission win in 34 seconds, and he has a strong background in wrestling. What do you think of your next opponent? I know you say you don't focus too much on your opponent, but have you done any studying, and what do you think of him? Yeah, I've done a little bit of studying on his wrestling matches. His one fight isn't out there. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, he's a very accomplished wrestler. But, you know, like I said earlier, you know, the opponent really doesn't matter. Um, it just matters what I'm doing. My coaches know the game plan they want to set. Um, you know, it's stop the takedown and uh, try to neutralize what he does best. Like, that's kind of the victory mindset. Like, it's not just about what we do. It's about neutralizing what they do the best. Um, I believe I have great takedown defense. Um, I've had an extensive background in wrestling as well, and I'm confident in my wrestling and my ability in this fight to uh, stop the takedown, keep it standing, and take him down when I want. Do you think you have the better wrestling? you think you could out-wrestle the wrestler? Um, I don't like hypotheticals, yeah. um, but when it comes to MMA wrestling, what we're doing, I believe I'm one of the best in Ohio. Um one day I'll be one of the best in the United States and in the world. You know, I want to be UFC champion, but um, I just feel like my game is tailored to MMA wrestling. You know, it's kind of like a culmination of my whole life into one thing, like just MMA. I, I feel super comfortable in it. I feel great. Um, and when I'm in there, I just feel unstoppable. Like that's kind of the mindset you got to have. And I've realized you have to have positive affirmations and belief in yourself um, if you do want to accomplish great things. How do you build up that self-confidence going into a fight? You know, some people, I've talked to fighters that have had some struggles with mental health throughout this MMA journey, but you, it seems like you're a very confident and self-motivated person. How have you gotten to that point in your life? Yeah, um, so I've been in competition my whole life. Um, I've been in athletics. You know, I started off with football, baseball, basketball, and I've just been a lifelong athlete, and I've always... In the past, I have always struggled with, you know, the mental aspect of it, like the mental health, the uh, belief in yourself. Um, and it was always hard in the past for me. Um, but only recently, like after I got out of high school, 
and it just comes from like a sickening work ethic. Like I thought I worked hard in high school. Um, I was like overweight. I wrestled heavyweight. Um, I was eating like crap. I, I would practice hard, but I didn't do any extra. I just practiced, ate like crap, and didn't take care of myself. And I thought I was working hard. But then when I got out of high school, I was like, you know, I, I want to make a big change. So I started getting healthy, just losing weight. I was like, I believe, 280 pounds my senior year. Um, and then the next year, I wrestled at Akron at 235. So I dropped a considerable, considerable amount of weight there. Um, and then now I'm fighting 205. So it's just been a continuous process of just training super hard, recovering super hard, eating super hard. And just I'm just trying to increase my workload tenfold. Like I just, I want to keep on working as hard as I possibly can um, and just have a sickening work ethic and just don't give anyone an option to, you know, succeed, just outwork everybody. Has that process been difficult for you or has it been kind of easy for you to get that mindset of working harder than everybody else and having that mindset going forward? Um, The planning's easy. Like yeah. <laughs> saying you're going to do it is, is definitely easy. Um, But doing it is incredibly hard. I mean, just going to training every day alone is super difficult I mean because all of us have jobs school um, we have a, a life during the day and we have to go every night and train and bust our butts like work extremely hard so yeah it's it's extremely difficult every day you know every day it's almost like you want to just pack it in and be like I'm done mm. but you just you have to your mind and your what you do has to be stronger than you know the outside factors like oh this ice bath is too cold like I'm done I quit like no you just you have to do it. Like as soon as you set your mind to it, you can do it. it. It's as simple as that. For your upcoming fight, I'm not necessarily asking for a prediction out of you, but I'm sure you're as excited as ever to get back in there since your most recent fight. How do you envision things going down on Saturday? Um, well, I see him shooting a takedown. You know, he's going to come hard in the first round, I'm sure, but it's just going to be sprawling and brawling. And then after that, um, I believe I have amazing cardio, great cardio, um, and I rely on that for a lot of my fights. Um, and it's pretty much just breaking a guy, you know, having a stronger will than my opponent, um, and that's my game. You see yourself winning inside the distance or maybe going to the distance for the first time in your career? Uh, I always look for a finish. Yeah. So I, uh, if I, I don't predict, but if I did, I would say there's going to be a finish. <laughs> Just two more questions for you, Nick. You've preached after each and every fight on social media about getting better and being better than the last time people saw you in action. In your mind, what do you think you need to do any better? I can do everything better. Um, you know, I I was looking at my last fight, just my stand-up. I was getting a little bit robotic um, in some of the, some of the exchanges. Um, I think the main thing for this fight, fight would just be composure. You know, because I like to come out hard in the first round. I have for all my fights. Um, I just, like, ride that adrenaline. But this fight, I definitely want to stay composed, um, kind of have a cool head, and um, just be, like, a wiser fighter, you know. Just the more experience I get, the cooler I get, the more experience I have. I just want to, you know, not just ride adrenaline and, like, oh, I want to bang, like, let's, let's throw. I want to, you know, be smart and meticulous and just more calculated. After your win over Scott Sentner in May, you posted on your Instagram that chasing a dream is never easy, but always worth it. You're only 21 years old and you're about to fight in your fourth amateur MMA fight. What dream are you chasing? Uh, UFC gold. I mean, you have to go big in life. You know, I realize that if you don't, if you don't go big for a big dream, then I mean, life isn't really worth it. Like I've, I've 
like worked, um, like when I wasn't in competition, I've just worked, made money, go to, gone to school. And it's just a horrible feeling. Like I've always had this burning desire to be the best in the world at something um, ever since I was a kid. Um, and I think I finally have the equation to do that. You know, the right mental, the right physical. And yeah, I mean, you just, you gotta go big in life if you wanna actually find meaning in it. Good luck this Saturday against Chris Droge at Cage Thunder 18. I know a lot of people listening are from the Akron area, so hopefully there will be a large turnout for you. Since you are from Canton, Ohio, I know you'll get the chant that I like to end each interview with here on Forged in Ohio, right? It, of course, goes like this. O-H. I-O. Thanks, Nick. And this is the first time I've had a guest on the show that is about to fight this weekend. So rather than wishing you the best in training, I wish you the best as you prepare to stop the wrestler Chris Droge in his tracks. Thanks for coming in studio once again, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. That was Nasty Nick Nash, I believe the first light heavyweight I've had on the show, and he is a violent one at that. The nickname is there. He trains with two other fighters I've had on the podcast, and I truly believe he has that it factor that not many other fighters have in this game. That will do it for episode seven of Forged in Ohio, though. Of course, I do ask that you share, subscribe, follow, and download this show wherever you get your podcasts. I'll talk to you all again next week with yet another guest. I've been your host, Jake Marin, and this was Forged in Ohio.